welcome. This podcast is hosted by Vera Bhava Yoga and explores our understanding of yoga and its relationship to resilience. If you like exploring with us, use coupon code PODCAST2022 at virabhavayoga.com to receive 15% off of all Virabhava products and programming. I am your host, Kelly Golden, and I'm a writer, a yoga teacher, a dedicated practitioner, exhaustive thinker, and the founder of Virabhava Yoga School. I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. My primary focus is Sri Vidya Tantra and the ways that yoga can be directly applied to our lives in all situations. This season will continue to follow my exploration of just that, both my successes and my failures, as well as feature conversations with fellow practitioners, teachers, and humans living resilience as their yoga. Through contemplation, wondering, conversation, and experience, we will explore resilience as synonymous with the path and practice of yoga. Our conversations will unpack the points of crossover, the similarities of experience, and the ways that both practices support arriving whole and alive in the midst of wherever we find ourselves, be it hardship and challenge or joy and pleasure. Many of these conversations are hosted monthly as free live classes that also include an accompanying asana practice. Visit our website to learn more and to participate if you would like to explore studying with us more deeply. Check out our online Tantra yoga and meditation programs at virabhavayoga.com. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey friends, in this, the last episode of season two, we get edgy. We poke around at the obsession with self-improvement and how it collapses our world into self-importance and how all of that causes us to forget the bigger picture of relationship, time, culture, and society. This episode gets pokey and challenges us to consider how our personal practices of yoga and our personal experiences of resilience impact our community and our planet. This final episode of the season reframes yoga from being the thing that serves us to becoming the thing that we serve. I hope this episode has something to offer and will inspire your continued practice until we return next year for season three in 2023. Also, keep an eye out for the forthcoming book titled the same as this podcast, The Yoga of Resilience, which will be out really soon. If you want to make sure it shows up at your door as soon as it's off the press, be sure and pre-order now. The title is currently available at Amazon.com and directly from the publisher, www.mcfarlandbooks.com. Enjoy the episode. Um, I don't really know much about astrology, but they say today is a very potent day. Something about Jupiter that's kind of like Santa Claus and Venus that's the lover are like hanging out and having like dancing together today and I feel it do you feel it it's like abundance and beauty and to me it feels like an overwhelming relief the world has felt tense and tight and heavy which maybe isn't a bad thing 
when we carry heavy things around, we become stronger. And when we work with the tension in which we find ourselves, we get access to more power. But man, it is so nice every once in a while for it just to be a dance party with Santa Claus and Venus. So here we are. And I'm feeling it and I'm glad we're talking today uh, so I can share <laughs> that feeling with my friends. So today we are, uh, I feel so full and so abundant and so joyful and we're going to talk about a really interesting topic that might be a little edgy. You know, if you've been following Vera Baba Yoga for a while, if you've been hanging out with me at all, if you have been listening to the Yoga of Resilience podcast, you know, you know that what we're going to talk about today really isn't edgy and it's actually quite full of opportunity. But if you're if you've been out in the world doing yoga um, industry style, then this might be information that feels uh, a little frictive or sharp or more like sandpaper than like suave. So um, bear with it and let's see if we can get to the place where it feels smooth and palpable. Um, and if it doesn't, we hold space for that too. You know, um, Things can just feel rough sometimes and that's okay. But hopefully today uh, in, the, in the abundance of the of the influence, we can make this maybe edgy topic feel um, like an opportunity to expand. So uh, we have Tanya, who's going to be with us today, Tanya Ortiz, who is a graduate of the 300-hour program, and she's going to be leading you guys um, through our asana practice after this lecture. Uh, she and I had an awesome chat yesterday on Instagram live. So uh, if you want to go check that out, it's still there posted on our feed. Um, Tanya is awesome. Graduate of 300 also, uh, has been mentoring for a while and, um, I feel like she gets what we're going to talk about. So today we are, it's a big buildup. Have you noticed? I'm not meaning to avoid the topic. Uh, so today we're going to talk about yoga and resilience beyond self-improvement. The original title of the blog post and the talk today was yoga and resilience are not self-improvement. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Um, I softened the edges of that a little bit so people would read it. (laughs) Um, Most of us, myself included, found our way to yoga because something in ourselves was off or not right or hurting, whether it be our heart or our bodies or our minds, you know, stress and and overwhelm. And so we came to yoga to make that better. And for most people that is um, the threshold that is crossed to get ourselves to the mat and to the cushion. And I want to say that that initial impulse to to work with our own stuff is a worthwhile impulse. And it is a worthwhile impulse for the duration of our practice of yoga. However, um, it's not the essence of what yoga is. And it's not really what yoga is about. Um it might be a great way to market yoga because 
unfortunately, it's marketing into um, a culture that feels like they're lacking, right? When we market yoga as self-improvement, what we're doing is we're telling everyone they need to be improved. And because that is such an easy buy-in, people flock to yoga. And then what happens is they, they have feelings and sensations and experiences. They feel better. Maybe they feel more expansive. Maybe they feel more alive. But they don't really change. And then sometimes that not changing causes them to feel great disappointment. Um, as I said in the blog post that I wrote correlating to this, to this episode, I have so many yoga teachers in training that get really frustrated, and maybe you're one of them, I was one of them, that get really frustrated that about three quarters, maybe two thirds of the way through their training, they haven't turned into better people. It hasn't changed their life. It hasn't been a magic wand that they spun in the air and made them perfect. And I'm always fascinated with the, you know, you know what we teach. We teach that there is no such thing as perfect. And perfect is the wrong thing to strive for, um, if there is such a thing as right and wrong. But perfect is maybe not the point. Um, and, And trying to get ourselves to be something that we're not is also not the point. But regardless of all those teachings, somewhere along the way, about two-thirds of the way in, it happens a lot in the 200-hour. People are like, why have I not got this all figured out? Also happens in the 300-hour. Why am I not getting this? And what I want to say is we're not getting this because we have this perception that this is something out there that's going to make us better. Right? Instead of this being, why am I not landing in the truth of who I am and really getting to know it and really um, getting intimate with all of the qualities of myself so that I can make more conscious and aware choices about how I want to show up? Instead, we're like, where is the magic that makes me just better all the time and never feel bad and never feel sad and never hurt and, you know, all of that stuff. And so sometimes yoga can, can generate, or, or the idea, this industry idea of yoga can generate disappointment. And you know, and I know, that's great. It's not, it doesn't feel good, but any time that an experience is generated that brings us closer to seeing the truth of who we are, that's yoga at work. And the reason yoga is not self-improvement is because, and resilience is not self-improvement, is because when we get more true to the, to the source of who we are, to the realness of who we are, then we start living in a way that makes space for others to do that too. And I'll tell you that it won't be comfortable for other people either. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong. When we can all become ourselves, then that which is bigger than us, the community, the the culture, 
the society, the planet benefits. And ideally, and one of my teachers said this a long time ago, we know if people are practicing yoga or not because things get better. Not easier, not more comfortable, but more vital, more real, more connected, right? And until his, his statement on this one specific video was, you know, if, we're, if there's really 7 million, I can't remember, 1 billion people on the planet practicing yoga, then the way that we would know if, the, if yoga is really what's being practiced is the world would improve. The world would get better. So it, it's a call to question what we're doing in our yoga when we think or orient yoga towards improving who we are. Right? It collapses us, especially in the culture that we're in, into this interesting individualism where we need to get better, but how we get better doesn't have... Um, relationship to uh, the bigger picture, right? And so we get better clothes and we get better beads and we get better uh, stuff on the walls and we get better ideas about how far above everyone else we are because we practice yoga, right? And what I want to say is if we're really practicing yoga, we do not feel above anyone else. A successful yoga practice would look like having a conversation with the panhandler on the corner. Not averting your eyes or making judgments. Right? So, though most of us come, because we come from where we are, most of us come to yoga thinking that we're going to get, become better people by doing yoga. Hopefully, after a while, we start to recognize that that thing that we connect with in a yoga practice, no matter how we practice it, yoga works, right? It doesn't matter what style of yoga you're doing. It doesn't matter where you're doing it or how you're doing it. It works. And, and it seems mysterious, and maybe it is. Uh, there's, some, there's some interesting ways to unpack those mysteries, but... For, for the, all of the mysteriousness, yoga works even if we don't know how it works. But what I think we can start to get really curious about is what is working? What is it that's working? And that feeling that we get after a yoga practice, whether it be in a class setting or at home on our mats, or even if we're, as I often do, calling our meditation practice our yoga, um, or even making dinner our yoga, when we know it's yoga because we feel at home in ourselves. We're connecting to a part of ourselves that isn't distracted by the way we perform in the world. It's not a product-oriented orientation to the world. It's a process orientation. Right. So I said about a year ago, I was talking a lot about it's not, yoga is not, uh, Plot development, it's character development, right? So 
we can't develop our I just went to this amazing uh in the town where I live there's an, a drama group that puts on a free outdoor uh play every uh Friday Saturday Sunday nights throughout the summer and into the fall often there's Shakespeare but not always and um they just did this amazing production totally free just beautiful sets beautiful costumes amazing actors I've seen two different acting groups this summer and they're performing but not forgetting that their performance is engaging with everyone else in the play right the lead actor's performance is dependent upon his co-stars the whole cast works together it's not just a monologue of me, 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 myself, me get better, and nothing else matters. The collapsing into the individuality of self isn't yoga. Yoga is that which yokes us to the essence of our lives. And if we can land at home in ourselves, then we feel more willing to show up to the expanding cast of characters and complex storylines. Those feelings of resistance of showing up to our lives as they are often come because we are disconnected from the truth of our center. We are not at home in ourselves. We're disoriented, we're confused. Maybe we're afraid of actually being who we are. Some of you here on this Zoom call, I know that that's where you started, but you're not there all the time anymore. And those moments where you're anchored in yourself and meeting the world as it is, that's yoga. That's yoking to vitality, to life force. And no matter how difficult the situation that we find ourselves in, if we are at home in ourselves and we choose to yoke ourselves to the experience where we find our, our existence in that moment, then what happens is there's joy that's accessible even in the darkest places. There's beauty that can be found even when everything feels hard. It doesn't mean that our situation is beautiful, but when we're at home in ourselves, we can find beauty in the mess. Right? And so when yoga becomes this sort of idealized expectation of self-improvement, basically it just becomes another list of ways we're trying to perfect ourselves getting farther and farther and farther away from being at home in ourselves. The striving for that perfect existence moves us away from the perfection that already exists. Reaching farther and farther to do more and more and more or better and better and better takes us away from the enough that we already are. And it's only from that place of enough that we can connect with others in a way that feels 
illuminating. Right? So, some of the main awarenesses to carry around whether or not we're using yoga as self-improvement. And, and I want to I wanna juxtapose that too with yoga as self-improvement and yoga as luxury. I have, I have some, some people I know in my life that use yoga as a party zone, which is really interesting. Um, and that's way easier to market yoga party than yoga as home frequency, right? But when, when we're not seeking yoga as a fix-it solution to what we perceive to be wrong with ourselves, then we're not imagining that we can only practice yoga when it's convenient. So if yoga is something that requires convenience, or if it's something that's, I can only go to yoga class when it's convenient to the rest of my life, then that's self-improvement practice, maybe not so much yoga. When, when, when yoga practice needs to serve you, that might be self-improvement. When you are serving yoga, that, that is yoga. And when you are serving the moment, no matter how intense that moment is, that's where resilience comes forth. When you're not trying to control or change any aspect of where you are, but instead you're choosing to show up and respond to what is, to surrender into the reality of where you find yourself in any given moment. That's yoga. And we do that because we can come home to ourselves and trust that no matter what happens, we won't lose that home base, right? I'm not sure where along the way we determined that if we couldn't control our external environment, we would lose ourselves. But it's, it's rampant in our world to the point that we are cutting off meaningful connection. We are cutting off essential relationship in the service of keeping ourselves safe and controlling our environment and making sure that we don't have to experience the discomfort of being misunderstood. And without the willingness to experience those discomforts, we don't ever, ever really understand who we are. We are trying to curate an environment of uh, a, a padded environment to keep ourselves guarded and protected. And in doing so, we cut ourselves off from that life force, from the yoga itself. Right? I've talked for years about yoga is not a safety zone. It's risk. And you know this. You know that every time you've chosen to align with the deepest call of your own heart, it feels like the riskiest thing to do. And often when we go to that place of aligning with our heart, 
We get a lot of environmental external feedback that we shouldn't do that. It's not safe. It's not the right direction. Right? And then we back off, maybe. Or maybe we don't. When we take the self-improvement label off of yoga, it becomes incredibly dangerous. Because when we're thinking about what self-improvement is, and I don't know what you think about it, but I know when I read about self-improvement, it looks a lot about making the way I present myself better so that it's received better by other people. Right? My self-improvement practice means that I need to uh, rest more. I'm not saying that's not wrong, but at what point do we start recognizing that rest doesn't mean inaction? Rest means landing inside of ourselves while we're doing the work that we might not like. Rest means coming home to our breath in moments where we feel mentally overwhelmed or distracted. Rest is a landing pad inside of ourselves. It's not our cushy bed and our bathtub. Right? We've distilled everything down to something we can commoditize in the world. And we can rest just by feeling our feet on the ground when we're walking from point A to point B. And it is not a self-improvement practice. I can't package and sell that. But what I can do is find myself in it. And that is the practice of yoga. And resilience is only available if you can find yourself in the midst of the hardship. There isn't a package of practices that you can do to become more resilient. It's why we call it the yoga of resilience, not yoga for resilience. Not giving you a toolbox of breathing techniques and asanas and ways to make yourself more resilient. That's not where it happens. It comes from daring to live life as it is while knowing who you are and not compromising either life as it is or who you are. And it doesn't feel awesome sometimes. Sometimes it feels really hard. But the outcome is freedom. Not just for you, but for everyone around you. The more you live as who you are, the more everyone has permission to live as who they are. Right? And we can't, there's nothing to improve upon if you're living truthfully, deeply, from the core of your essence. There is literally nothing to improve. So when we perceive that yoga is a way to improve ourselves, <laughs> we're telling ourselves, whether known or unknown, consciously or unconsciously, that something that the way we are is wrong. And that is not what yoga teaches. Yoga does not teach that the way you are is wrong. It teaches that you might have forgotten who you are. 
And so the practices of yoga and the experiences of resilience, they call you home. They call you to remember who you are before you forgot. The word in Sanskrit is smarana, remembrance. And that is not an external practice. You can't remember. I mean, that's, it's not an external set of tools you can use. I can remember if I go out in the world and like, I just read an article on the Atlantic. Uh, it was a Arthur Brooks article. Who's great. Love Arthur Brooks. He says, uh, if you're feeling down or depressed, get out of your house. Because when you put your feet on the ground and you get away from the container, you get in tune with who you are. Go out into the woods. Period. And you'll remember who you are. And you'll say it like, wow, this feels really good. I should do this more often. You'll recognize it as a sensation, as a feeling, as a resonance, a recognition, but you might not recognize it as you landing at home in yourself. And now here's the invitation. Every time you have that feeling and you recognize, oh, this feels really good. I feel really good right now. I feel really at home in myself. Like I'm right where I need to be. Lean into that. Get to know that place as arriving at the remembrance of who you are. And then be, let that be a waypoint into which you can bring the questions around whether or not you need to improve yourself. Because when you land in that space of your center, you're the best you'll, you can absolutely be. And then when you dare to share that space with other people, you improve everything around you. Right? And I don't know. I don't know if that comes from the process of of getting a more aligned triangle pose. I mean, maybe. I have definitely been in asana and found a sweet spot in my asana where it has invited me to land in my body more deeply as myself. I've definitely been in the sweet spot of meditation where it has invited me to land more deeply in and as and with myself. Absolutely. But by and large, that's not what's being taught out there. Those of you that are teachers, start teaching it. Start teaching everyone in your classes that they are good enough and they don't need to improve anything. They don't need to adjust everything and tweak everything and refine everything and become some sort of poster child for the perfect asana. And I know there's a lot of us saying this right now. It's one thing to say it and it's another thing to feel it. Asana is an invitation to remember who you are. 
Asana is an invitation to arrive home. And if it's not giving you that because of whatever or wherever or whomever is sharing asana with you or whatever preconceived notions you have about it, let the asana go and look for yoga somewhere else. In the place where it resonates with you, in the place where you find yourself. Yoga is also not a luxury. So it's not a convenience and it's not a luxury. It's not something that we do to feel better. It's something we do to be who we are. And gosh, I've had so many conversations recently. I have to stop talking about yoga. Uh, I think out in the world on the streets, um, even in the streets of Spain, because everybody perceives yoga to be this place where you go and you get on a mat and you do these poses and then you feel better and then you leave and then you come back again and you do it again and again and again. That is like the belief system across the world of what yoga is. Maybe not in India, but everywhere else. That's what people believe yoga to be. And and so what they say is, well, if I can get to my yoga class, I'm doing yoga, right? Or, oh, I deserve to do yoga today. I deserve that luxury of practicing yoga. And what I want to say is that's not how yoga was designed. I don't know where that came from. But it's worthy of a poke and a prod because yoga was and has always been a discipline, And I guess discipline is hard to sell. You know it is. I know it is. You want to do, you want to turn somebody away from your yoga class or your yoga teacher training, tell them that they're going to have to have the discipline to show up. And they're going to be like, no, thank you. You're not the one for me. Yoga is and has always been a discipline and just because we're living our lives and for the sake of convenience and self-improvement and luxury doesn't mean that the essence of what yoga is changes to meet you. It means that you're not getting the full scope of what's available from yoga when you treat it as a convenience or a luxury or a self-improvement practice. You're barely scratching the surface of what yoga is when you approach it as a convenience or a luxury or a self-improvement practice. But if you dare to serve the discipline of yoga, to wake up every day and remember that who you are at your essence is yoked to everything, whether you realize it or not, then you're in service to yoga. You're in service to the remembering of that tethering connection that cannot be broken. As long as you are in flesh and bone and form, you are a part of this big organism on this huge rock hurling through the sky at Warp speed. 
And there is no amount of collapsing into your own individualism that can make that not true. Period. So what happens when you lean into the truth that you are a part of something bigger and that the you that you are has its own exquisite existence, its essence as a way to show up and contribute to that which is bigger. That is the discipline of yoga and checking that little self that thinks that your story and your world and your existence is the only thing that matters. That little, I call her in me the little whiny child. The why me, why me, why not me, why not me, 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 me one that makes you the number one centralized star in your own story, that is the invitation to remember that you are yoked to the entire story. And when I mean the entire story, I don't mean 2022 or the year that you were born all the way through to the year that you're done. I mean the whole thing. The billions of years that preceded you and the untold amount of time that will follow you, you are linked to it all. And if you're not remembering that in your down dog, maybe your yoga could use some tweaks and probably not internal rotation. That's probably not going to get you to that realization. And that's okay. You can internally rotate all day long. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying look deeper for the yoga. Not in some performance or perfection of asana, but deep, deep inside. In a place that can't be seen by the observer. In a place that can only be felt and resonated with by you as you. No one can give you the answers. And if yoga is doing its job, if we're really living resiliently, answers are not what we're seeking. If, if we're really showing up into the practice of yoga and we're really living our lives resiliently, questions are what emerge curiosities and wonder that's what drives us the answers are actually stumbling blocks that we get stuck on or start to feel safe with or that we can have control over that eliminate or reduce risk and we have built an entire culture my friends on eliminating or reducing risk, and then we wonder why things feel so weird. Why do things feel so wrong? Why do things feel so overwhelming? Because we've got way, way, way far away from the yoga that we are. It doesn't mean that it's gone away. So what happens when we make our practice a turning back towards that? It can't be convenient. It must mean that you have to get up earlier or stay up later or let go of something that you think you'd rather be doing. 
It can't be luxurious. It's got to be messy. Because you're going to be digging into all the ways that you've forgotten the essence of who you are. Right? See how this works? It can be beautiful. But it can't be self-serving. When yoga is not, and it's not, a self-improvement practice, what I want to emphasize is it is, though it's not about self-improvement, it is about self-possession, right? And I, I'm, I'm into uh, the reclamation of our English vocabulary because uh, we have bent and twisted it to make it what it is, even though it's not what it originated. And my perception of that is we are casting spells that we don't even realize we're casting. Just like everything else, we've become unconscious of the way that we speak, and therefore we're generating unconscious things all the time. And so what if we change that and we start reclaiming the consciousness around our words, then we can start having an impact with what we say. Right? So self-possession, one who holds oneself fully. It doesn't mean that you don't have needs. It doesn't mean that you don't have wants. It doesn't mean that you don't sometimes need support. But it does mean that you are responsible for those feelings and wants and needs and know how to ask for the support, know how to receive it when it's offered, That's what it means to be self-possessed. And that comes from the yoga that you are. When you're no longer questioning your worth or your validity, when you're no longer questioning whether or not you should say something when you feel like saying something, when you're no longer questioning, should I move my foot a little bit more to the left, even though the instructor tells me not to? Because if I moved my foot a little bit more to the left, it would feel better in my body. When you are coming from yoga, the foot moves you as your foot moves to meet you where you're at so that you can live the fullest, most vital expression of who you are in the moment. You don't ask for permission. You don't worry about being chastised. You do you. And then you help other people do them. Simply by being that living example of what it's like to possess and hold yourself. Not improve it. Just be it. We've all had those moments where we're totally, they call it flow state, right? Where you're totally in the flow, you're totally aligned with being who you are. But we've also had those moments where we are compromising who we are. And maybe we're compromising who we are in the name of self-improvement. Or maybe we're compromising who we are because we have forgotten who we are. And so all we know to do is to perform as those around us tell us we should be. But the practice of yoga says, listen inward, turn inside, 
Take the time, make the space to remember who you are. Not to try to change that. That there is no need to be better when you have always been enough. Now, go be enough in the world. Go serve yoga in the world and watch it make space for everybody else to also be enough. Think about that. Think about if everyone you knew and everyone you encountered and everyone that you had an association with, if they all felt like they were enough, how would it set you free? Now, think about how it would feel if you were enough. How would it set them free? That's the power of yoga. That's what it means to live the yoga of resilience. And it has nothing to do with self-improvement. Okay, I haven't even looked at my notes. I've looked at it once, the same paragraph, like four times. So let me, let me go back to the page and see what I'm missing. If you are walking in and with and through the world with a clear understanding of yourself, your purpose, and the ways you engage with others, then you are living your yoga. And in turn, you are serving that yoga and you are in service to the world. Right? So if you know who you are and you're living with that clarity, then you are serving the yoga and you are in service to the world. Honesty, accountability, awareness, they are all offerings to that long, unending space of time. <clears throat> and it's not because they reduce stress or strengthen your abdominal muscles or give you more flexibility. It's not because it's veiled in some sort of spirituality. None of that really makes a difference. If it did, we'd be living in a lot of difference right now. What makes a difference is when we agree to sustain the difficulty or the, or the discomfort of really being who we are. And eventually it won't be uncomfortable anymore. But at first, if we've been used to performing and improving ourselves to make everybody around us happy or everybody around us like us, or because we perceive we're the most important thing, at first it'll feel uncomfortable. So we have to be willing to sustain the discomfort. Yoga is not self-improvement because it is not a fix-it strategy of making ourselves better. It's the way that we yoke ourselves to the life that we've created and steadfastly and with full awareness stay in and with it. There's nothing in your life that you have not contributed to. Maybe shit has happened to you that doesn't feel fair and that you didn't ask for, but engaging with it is still contribution. So what, how do we take that awareness into our engagement? <clears throat> 
Here's the question to bring to your asana practice. Does your asana practice give you this access? No pressure, Tanya. Does it turn you inward to grapple with the illusions you have about yourself? Does it show you where you aren't seeing yourself clearly and you're not seeing the ways that you contribute to your life? Doing the work of yoga has never been meant to be convenient. It's always meant to be a discipline. Are you meeting your yoga as a discipline? Or are you demanding that yoga bend to your will? Is there surrender available in your yoga? Or are you shaping yoga into being what you want it to be so that it fits what you desire? Right? In which case we just collapse and get farther and farther away from that remembrance that we are already everything we need. And yoga is the way, it's the path of our existence when we remember that. <clears throat> when the way you are living your life is impactful and inspiring to those around you and your world, then you are practicing yoga. Bye, guys. This podcast is only a fraction of what we do at Virabhava Yoga. To learn more about our live classes, workshops, online tantric meditation, and yoga trainings, visit our website, www.virabhavayoga.com, or follow us on Instagram at Yoga. You can also register to attend these conversations live and download the associated asana classes by visiting virabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. Don't forget to use code PODCAST2022 to save 15% off of anything on our website. May these conversations inspire you to explore yoga as resilience in your life. Thanks for listening.